welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by The Ready State. If you're at all like me, you might have perpetual stiffness and pain in your neck and shoulders from years of working, carrying kids, and all of the demands of parenting. Or maybe like me also, you have sore hips from too much sitting or from several pregnancies. I have found a great way to relieve my aches and pains and to get some daily movement and improve my fitness and flexibility. And it's from someone I highly, highly respect, Dr. Kelly Starrett, and he's from The Ready State. If you don't know Kelly, you should. He is a mobility and movement coach for Olympic gold medalists, world champions, and pro athletes. He's the author of two New York Times bestselling books, including the famous Becoming a Supple Leopard, which has sold over half a million copies. He has over 150,000 hours of hands-on experience training athletes at the highest level, and he's a doctor of physical therapy who helps top companies, military organizations, and universities improve their wellness and resilience with their team members. So to say he's highly qualified would be the understatement of the century. He created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. This program is easy to do from home every day, making it ideal for me and for a lot of moms, and it's something I can do with my kids. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you a fresh guided exercise video. They show you proven techniques to help your specific issues that you have going on. If you're in pain, you can pull up a picture of the human body, click on what hurts, and from there, the Virtual Mobility Coach will give you a customized prescription to help you find relief based on movement. Second, you can find a library of soothing recovery routines in the daily maintenance section. And these are great for just working in movement throughout the day or as a wind down to practice self-care. And third, for athletes, Virtual Mobility Coach has an entire section of pre and post exercise routines for more than four dozen sports and activities that help you warm up before a workout so that there's a lower risk of injury or recover after so that you are less stiff. Right now, you can try Virtual Mobility Coach totally risk-free for two weeks without paying a penny. After that, you can save 50% on your first three months. Just go to thereadystate.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, all one word, all uppercase at checkout. So again, that's the T-H-E, ready, R-E-A-D-Y, state, S-T-A-T-E.com forward slash wellnessmama. And you can save half off your first three months when you sign up for a monthly plan. You'll get personalized techniques to relieve nagging pain and to improve your fitness and flexibility. So again, check it out, thereadystate.com forward slash Wellness Mama and sign up with the code Wellness Mama. This podcast is brought to you by Radiant Life Catalog. Radiant Life is a woman owned, family run online health and wellness company that specializes in food based supplements, nutri- nutrient dense foods, eco friendly housewares water filtration and purification. After spending over 20 years in the health industry, Radiant Life realized that one of the overlooked components of well-being is often access to clean, healthy, and hydrating water. Now they have a range of water filters that fix this and they are great for it. They have one for every type of house and every budget from countertop units to under the counter units and even the whole house filter that we have at our house. Their systems are crafted with a focus on health and wellness. So they improve the taste and the smell of water, but more importantly, they remove a wide range of potentially harmful contaminants. They also have an in-house water expert available all the time to guide you through their system selection process and answer any questions via phone or email. Their systems are also designed and built in the USA and really high quality. So you can learn more and see all the options and connect with the water expert if you need to by going to radiantlife.com forward slash wellness mama. So radiantlife.com forward slash wellness mama. And I locked in a special discount 
just for you guys. They almost never give discounts, but you can um, save $200 on a whole house or a 14 stage water system by using the code WM podcast. So again, check out radiantlife.com forward slash wellness mama and use the code WM podcast to save $200. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com, and this episode is all about one of my favorite drinks, coffee. And we are going to cut through some of the confusion about whether it is good for you or not, and how much if there's a dose-dependent response, and the best way to get the most from your coffee. I am here with Andrew Salisbury, who is the founder of over 14 companies in the last 25 years in six countries, including Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Ireland, and the USA. His latest company, Purity Coffee, is a project of passion and a favorite company of mine. And at Purity, they are very health-focused. And like some of my other favorite companies, they test everything for quality and they're very transparent about the results. I personally believe that switching out the quality of different foods and drinks is one of the easiest things we can do to improve health and wellness, especially when it's something we consume anyway. And since coffee is one of the most largely consumed beverages in the world, I thought this was an important place to start. I know that you're really going to enjoy this episode if you are a coffee drinker like I am. So now, without further ado, let's join Andrew. Andrew, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks a lot for having me on. Well, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics today, which is coffee, and I am drinking coffee right now. It's a most morning beverage for me, and I know that it's something that gets talked about quite a bit in the wellness world, and is uh, there's a little bit of debate about it, but in general, um, we know that there are some benefits attached to coffee. Of course, it's one of the most loved drinks in the world, and many of the people listening are quite big fans. But to start, I would love to just kind of start broad and talk about coffee in general and what we know about, I don't want to say the benefits of coffee, but the constituents of coffee and how they affect the body. Yes, it's sort of interesting. Most people are not aware that uh, coffee is the number one source of antioxidants in the American diet, which is, which I think is, when I first discovered this, I thought it was, you know, I, was, I was a little bit blown away. I mean, there's, there's so much talk about things like blueberries and kale and, and, you know, eating the rainbow and all these things are very, very valid. But if you're a coffee drinker, you get most of your antioxidants from coffee because coffee is actually very high in polyphenols and very high in antioxidants. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that most of us, you know, 164 million Americans will get up this morning and drink a cup of coffee. So that's, uh, that's perhaps one of the, the most interesting facts I find about coffee. That is fascinating. And from what I've read, it is by far one of the most consumed beverages in the world after water, but the majority of the world consumes coffee relatively regularly, right? That's right. I mean, I, I like to get my water from coffee. So <laughs> my wife's telling me all the time to drink more water, but I, uh, I prefer to get it from my coffee. So. But yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the most popular beverages. And in fact, that's you know, one of the reasons why we're so interested in this focus on, on coffee and health. Because if you think about something that people do every single day, 164 million Americans drink coffee. You know, if you can make a change to something that people do repeatedly, then you're going to have a real impact on overall health and longevity. And, and that's, sort of, that's one of the reasons why we're so focused on this. We don't need to have a behavior change. Uh, People don't, we don't need to persuade people to drink something that they're, they're unfamiliar with. Just get a better quality coffee. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm a big fan when it comes to health of changes that can either be made one time and then have lasting effects or that you can change something about your routine, like you said, that you're already doing. So you're not having to add anything. There's no effort. Like on an unrelated note, I love this thing I sleep with every night called the chili pad and it goes underneath my sheet and it keeps my bed cooler. And we know that from the data that sleeping at a certain temperature is beneficial for sleep quality. Um, but rather than cooling the whole house, I can just cool my bed, which is energy efficient. And now that it's set up, I don't have to think about it. So it's a very easy health addition because it's not something that requires any effort. And I feel like that's what we're talking about with this too. And with coffee or with any food or anything that you upgrade, when you improve the quality of something that you're consuming anyway, it doesn't take any extra effort, but you get extra benefits. And I've read before, I don't know if this is correct, but that coffee is the largest source of antioxidants in most most of the American diet. So for most people, it's probably the, mo- the biggest source of antioxidants. Is that true from what you've read? It is. Um, you know, on the, uh, if you look at the, the ORAC table, um, which is the measurement of antioxidants in the diet, you know, you're, you're going to find the first 30 or 40 things are all uh, that are very high in antioxidants, are, are spices and, um, and those sort of things like, like peppermint and um, oregano and, and just various spices. But of course, we don't consume those in enough uh, quantity that it's going to make a huge impact, even though they're very high. But then further down from there and very high up on that table is coffee, the different ways you would brew coffee, uh, cacao, um, that sort of thing. But uh, but chocolate is chocolate and coffee are, are the two highest in antioxidants that people consume on a, on a regular basis. Got it. And then what else is present in coffee? Because I think most people just think of coffee for the taste and for the caffeine. But there's a lot of other stuff going on when it comes to coffee, right? That's right. And, you know, when we started uh, Purity, our focus was we wanted to make every decision based on health. And so um, that meant the absence of bad stuff. So, you know, all the, the pesticides and mold and things like that that we want to avoid, but the presence of more of the good qualities in coffee and the, the good qualities that the products that we want more of, compounds we want more of, are the antioxidants, the CGAs, the polyphenols. But inside of that, there's, there's various other compounds that are beneficial in coffee. Um, that are created either in the, um, in the in the farm with green bean or also through roasting that we also want to dial up. Um, so chlorogenic acids is the number one um, compound that we look for. Then there's other things like trigonoline, chlorogenic lactones are important. And there's just, um, you know, various, it's a, it's a bit of a juggling act. If you know what to look for and you know what to roast for, then you can maximize those contents, uh, those compounds. Um, but uh, you, you need to be very conscious how you roast the coffee to make sure you get more of those compounds. Gotcha. And most people aren't roasting their own coffee and probably not even aware of the process of roasting the coffee. Does this vary based on the types of coffee that people would be familiar with? For instance, I I know I've heard of like dark roast and light roast and all these different terms. Do those have actual like defined meanings and does that affect what the finished coffee will have in it? Uh, absolutely. It, 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 almost every decision you make with coffee, all the way from the uh, from from the coffee cherry and where it's grown to the way it's processed, to the way it's roasted, to the way it's shipped, and the way it's uh, you actually serve it in the end, will have an impact on the health benefits of coffee. So, I mean, it's actually quite it's, it's actually quite complex. And the starting point is that. The chlorogenic acids that you want in coffee, they're highest in the green bean when you haven't roasted the coffee, but they can vary wildly from plantation to plantation, region to region, 
farm to farm, and there's no sort of great predictor of what coffee is going to be highest in chlorogenic acids on the farm. So, you know, really the, the, the first step is you have to lab test coffee from around the world and pick the ones that are highest in chlorogenic acids. And then the roasting protocol, the way you manage the roast, that's a balancing act between, between heat and time. And the darker you roast a coffee, the more you take away the antioxidants in, in, in the coffee. So a very dark roasted coffee um, has 5%, 10% of the antioxidants that you could have in a, in a coffee that's roasted correctly. Oh, wow. That's a huge difference for sure. And I know just from being in the studies myself and reading PubMed pretty regularly that there are a lot of studies related to coffee consumption, to caffeine consumption, to the antioxidants in coffee. Um, And I know that this is something you monitor closely as well. So what are we actually seeing in the research and the literature right now when it comes to these components of coffee and how they might be beneficial? Yeah, and so it's, there's been some amazing studies that have come out recently, but uh, the, the, the thing that we're seeing is a, a reversal from around 15 years ago when um, there were you know, cancer warning labels or the idea that the coffee could potentially be, be cancer-causing. And those are all based on studies that were done in the 50s and 60s where they didn't sort for the fact that the people who were drinking coffee were also smokers and drinking a lot of alcohol and, uh, uh, and not exercising. And when they sorted for those sort of co-founders, uh, what they found out is the re- the results actually reversed. And so um, the World Health Organization came out about four years ago, five years ago, to say that it has a positive benefit on the um, lowering the risk of six forms of cancer. So basically, the, the studies are coming out um, stronger and stronger in terms of all of the health benefits of coffee as they link to things like the prevention of type 2 diabetes, liver health. Um, heart disease. And again, a lot of that seems to be linked to the, the high antioxidant uh, quality of the coffee. Gotcha. And I know those are obviously big topics right now in the health world because we're seeing a rise in pretty much all of these. Um, before we go any further, I want to also talk about, are there any massive downsides to be aware of when it comes to coffee consumption? Like I think of a lot of things in life sort of on a bell curve of there's a sweet spot of consumption. Is that true with coffee as well? I think that the thing you have to think about here is the is a lot of people conflate coffee with caffeine. It's just a delivery system for for caffeine, and it really isn't. I mean, you know, the antioxidants are the things that are the most important part about coffee uh, when it comes to health benefits. But the problem is you are drinking the caffeine, and there's a sort of diminishing marginal returns on the amount of caffeine that you should drink. So depending on whether you're People are broken into fast metabolizers of caffeine or slow metabolizers of caffeine. And if you're a slow metabolizer of caffeine, it means it stays in your body for longer. And you're going to be the sort of person that has a coffee at, let's say, midday and has problems sleeping. I'm the sort of person that could have you know, a double espresso and go to sleep at night because I'm a fast metabolizer of caffeine. So caffeine is the thing that you really want to watch out for. So when it comes to um, any detrimental effects of coffee, you really just have to watch your body and how it reacts to the caffeine in, in the coffee. You know, the, the, the recommended intake of coffee is between four and six cups. But then there's no reason why you wouldn't switch to a decaf to get more of the polyphenols, more of the antioxidants in the coffee and not have any of the, uh, uh, any of the, the downsides. Gotcha. Not sure if that answers your question. 
That does. When it comes to being a fast metabolizer of caffeine versus a slow metabolizer, is that at all related to someone's caffeine tolerance or is that a genetic thing that's separate of how much coffee your body is used to consuming? It's, it's actually a genetic thing. You can you can um, you can do a say a twenty three and me and 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 find out if you're a fast or a, or a slow metabolizer of coffee, but probably you already know which one you are because if you're if you're sensitive to a cup of coffee, if you're someone listening to this and you realize you know you have to be very conscious of the amount of coffee that you consume before you get either nervousness or jitters, then then you're a slow metabolizer of caffeine. And if you can drink a lot of coffee and it doesn't seem to bother you and just gives, gives you steady energy, then you're a fast metabolizer. Got it. Okay. Well, I know it's good news for a lot of people listening and for me as well, because I love coffee, that in general, the data points to it being healthy, especially if we know what to look for and we're consuming it in the right amounts and correctly. And I'm also a big fan. Um, I would guess I'm a slow metabolizer of caffeine. So I try to limit my caffeine, but then I'll switch to decaf just because I love the taste of black coffee. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to balance it. I also just personally, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of not doing anything every single day. So I don't take supplements on the weekend. I don't drink coffee every day, or if I do, I'll drink decaf um, just to mix it up because I don't want my body to fully adapt to anything. Um, and so that's another trick that I'll sometimes use to, to make sure I can still consume coffee and that it's effective and efficient when I do consume it versus developing that tolerance. Yeah. Okay, great. Watch the sort of decaf that you drink as well, though. I mean, there's there's a couple of methods of uh, decaffeinating you'd want to avoid, which is the chemical methods, and, and I'm, I'm not sure which method your uh, your coffee uses, whether you drink our, our coffee, but um, Swiss water or critical uh, critical CO2 is the, the best two ways to remove caffeine from the coffee, and then you still keep the antioxidants. Okay, that's good to know. So I do, I drink your decaf coffee, but I would love to explain that for everyone listening because I know this was something I didn't understand for a really long time. So explain that. There's various methods we can use to get the caffeine out of coffee or reduce it truly because it's not completely gone, but explain how those different methods work and which ones we want to look out for. Okay, so, um, so so our focus was, you know, in, in some of the decisions that we make are relatively easy to make and some are more complex. And this was a relatively easy decision to make. There's, there's, there's two methods, the main two methods that using uh, that uses chemicals to leach the caffeine or take the caffeine out of the, uh, the coffee. We just we decided to, to, to move away from those very quickly. And the reason is that we just didn't want to introduce chemicals into a product that was, that was already so good for you. And we found that there was a leaching of the chlorogenic acids in that process. So they, they were ruled out almost immediately. Um, the best method um, we found is Swiss, Swiss water method, which works through um, an activated charcoal filter by heating the water that the coffee sits in, um, and then an activated charcoal um, filter um, traps the caffeine particles, which are a little bit larger than the other particles, and then um, the water is reintroduced into the coffee, and you're you're getting a, a natural, you know, a natural water process to decaffeinate the coffee. Critical CO2 is another process, but it's only done in Germany right now. And we, when we tested the two, we didn't see a noticeable difference in, in chlorogenic acids. So while we think both would work well, um, the most convenient method is uh, Swiss water for us. Got it. Okay. So that's what people need to know if they're looking for decaf. And I know there are people who, for various health reasons, have to avoid or severely limit caffeine. So of course, that's an easy way to still get the benefits and the antioxidants without getting too much caffeine. Also, I'd love to talk about mold in coffee, because this is a topic that has become increasingly 
just talked about increasingly in the health world, especially, and it seems like there's a lot of debate and controversy when it comes to the potential of mold and mycotoxins in coffee. So what's your take on that? And how do we know if that's something that's present in coffee? Well, I think the first thing is that, that unfortunately, there is a lot of mold in coffees, but it, it, we've never seen the, the numbers that have been quoted in some of the studies. Some of the studies that we're looking at um, uh, show 50% and above. That's not what we found when we tested um, the top 49 coffees in the US. But we still found 20%, 22% had a mold yeast or ocrotoxin a so it's a big enough problem where you need to you need to be aware of it and it's a big enough problem that uh, you know it, with a relatively easy solve that that you should make sure that you don't have mold in your coffee i hope it's a standard that all coffee producers will uh, will pick up pretty quickly because you know it's it's it really is a a, a major health issue and it's very easy to solve for the problem is that the mold arrives on your coffee in lots of different ways. And so you've really got to make sure that all the way through the, um, the production process of coffee, there's no way that mold can develop. Um, so it's not one easy fix. It, it doesn't just occur on the farm and it can occur in the, in the roaster and it can uh, occur when it's being shipped. And there's, a lots of, there's lots of reasons, unfortunately, why mold occurs in these different stages. You know, if I want to drill down a little bit, one of the one of the areas that mold happens uh, in the very first place is the fact that um, with industrial farming, what happens is you've got rows of coffee trees, and those coffees on the tree, those co coffee cherries, will ripen at this uh, at different times. So you could pick a, a tree that has perfectly ripe cherries. At the same time, there's underripe green cherries and there's overripe black cherries on that uh, on that coffee tree. Well, with industrial farming, what they'll do is they'll take a tractor and they'll take it all the way through the rows of coffee trees, scraping off all of the cherries, whether they're ripe or underripe or overripe, um, and with leaves and twigs. And then their job is to sort it afterwards and to remove the impurities from the coffee. Well, the problem with that is it's sort of like taking a, um, a moldy strawberry and putting it in a vat of fresh strawberries. You know, you'll come back to it the next day and all your strawberries will be moldy. Um, so once you've introduced mold, even at, the, even at these early stages, it's very difficult to get rid of, which is why, you know, we insist you have to have hand-picked, hand-selected um, coffee cherries, which means you're only picking the cherries that are, uh, that are ripe at the time. And then there's various other methods. Unfortunately, there's some of the methods uh, can be avoided. Some of the methods, I mean, I was uh, I was in a farm in Brazil and um, I, I saw a, uh, a farmer spraying a mountain of coffee with water. And I was trying to understand, you know, exactly why he would do that. And, uh, and I thought that, that the coffee had already been processed correctly up to this point. Why spray it with water? And he admitted to me that since the coffee was sold based on weight, if they spray it with water, it picks up the, the the water because the the, the coffee cherry is uh, the, the the coffee bean is very dry. It picks up the water and they get paid more because obviously they get paid based on on weight. And you've now got a product that's going to be shipped for a month or two months. You know that's very moist and uh, you know that's 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 obviously going to create create mold. So that's that's just one of two ways that uh, that that uh, you can introduce mold into the into the coffee. Oh, wow. And um, that makes total sense. And it seems like there would need to be a lot of control over that process and harvesting it. But is there any standard or way of knowing, like if you're just buying coffee, if that's going to be an issue or not? Like that's, I'm guessing, not something that is really reported on any kind of label, is it? 
Not really, and we're trying to we're trying to create a standard for 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 this, and there's just a lot to that. But I mean, I can tell you the sort of things that your listeners should look for in coffee that'll avoid most of these problems, and that's just um, based on all of our lab testing what we what we've seen. So, um, would that be useful to just give you an overview of uh, what to look for? Yeah, absolutely. That was one of my next questions: was what is lab tested for in coffee, and then what are like the optimal ranges we're looking for? Well, so the starting point. So, if you're going to go, to, uh, you know, to to your local coffee roaster, or if you're going to buy coffee, the the, the starting point is you need to ask for organic coffee. Um, coffee is the most heavily treated crop on the planet, next to tobacco and cotton. Um, so you have a choice in both of those. But in terms of coffee, you're, you know, you, if, if it's not organic, then you're really ingesting a lot of chemicals. And also, the big problem is that the coffee is treated in countries that don't have the same level of oversight, meaning that, you know, pesticides that have been banned in the US are accepted in Brazil, and there's no sort of check and balance when it comes to uh, pesticide residues when those coffees arrive into the US. So starting point, I mean, as a minimum, your coffee needs to be uh, organic. Then what you need to ask for is you need to ask for specially grade coffee. Specially grade is the highest grade of coffee. And the reason you would ask for that is that every time you move down a level in the grade of coffee is a result of a thing called a primary defect. And a primary defect, every single one of those primary defects, although they affect taste, to be tracked back to health. There are things like over-fermentation, cracked or broken beans. There's a list of different things in primary defects that you want to avoid. And the only way to be sure you can avoid those primary defects is to say, I want specialty, specialty grade coffee. So that's that's the second thing that you should uh, that you should ask for. So organic, specialty grade coffee. And then the the way the, the, the coffee is roasted. I mean, ideally, you want to find coffee that's been tested um, to be free of mold. But if you're looking at an organic, specialty grade coffee, it's likely to be treated a lot better than the average uh, commodity coffee. So you've got a sort of uh, a safety net in there. Then the second thing is um, the, the, the way that the coffee is roasted. The problem is you can have just this great quality coffee, and then if it's um, if it's over roasted, you're roasting away a lot of the antioxidants. So those very dark roasts, I mean, they're a little bit of a there's a bit of cheating going on with these dark roasts in the sense that that the large coffee companies their problem is that they want a coffee to taste exactly the same whether it's in Seattle or Singapore, and so the very best way to do that is to over roast the coffee so that the consumer is used to a burnt taste and they recognize that as coffee. Coffee, but then you're not getting, you know, you're getting a fraction of the uh, the, the health benefits from from that. So you're looking for a medium roast, um, city to full city. Nothing darker than that um, is the thing that you would that you would ask for. Um, and then finally, your coffee's got to be fresh. Um, that that's something that you can control control from a consumer standpoint is to make sure your coffee was roasted no more than you know a few days ago when you get it, and you want to consume it in the first sort of fifteen to twenty days on the outside because antioxidants drop off in the coffee as well as it stales. Does that answer? Yeah. Yeah, that definitely answers it. That makes total sense. And I know this, like I said, in it, well, in any industry, we see this in food as well um, and in supplements and everything. There aren't like really like industry established standards that are required to be posted about this. And so it really is up to doing our own research essentially and then relying on the company being transparent and actually sharing this information to kind of know some of these things, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you need to find a company that, that is concerned about the health benefits of coffee and uh, or at least concerned about the quality of the coffee. But there's certain parallels, there's certain things you can look for because it, people aren't buying coffee based on health yet. They're just starting. They're starting to recognize how good coffee is for their health. They're doing it every day that it's a small adjustment that they should make but because they're not buying coffee based on health. Coffee producers are not looking to those sort of decisions that would be relatively easy to make to improve the health benefits of coffee. So, you know, that's the sort of stage that we're at right now, unfortunately. But um, there are some indicators. What we've learned is that the, the closer that coffee is grown to nature, the more likely it's going to be beneficial for you in terms of being high in antioxidants. It's not always true, but it's true enough of the time where it's a good sort of yardstick for you to to, to look for coffee. So that means that, that the coffee is grown in a natural habitat. It's, it's shade grown is one of the labels to look for. Bird friendly is another label to look for. Both of these are indicators that the coffee is grown in sort of, instead of the industrial farming that we talked about earlier, it's grown in its natural habitat. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of ground cover. There's leaves that are rotting, which is improving the quality of the soil. It's bird friendly, meaning that it hasn't driven away the birds. Um, so while it's good for the environment and we care about that, it, our primary driver is health and having coffee that's bird friendly means that, you know, Smithsonian certified bird friendly means that um, it's likely to be grown in its natural habitat. Um, look for coffee that's hand picked and hand selected, because, again, that's another indicator that they couldn't put tractors to pick the coffee. They have to hand pick and hand select it, which means it's much more likely to be in a rougher environment, you know, where it's, you know, there's mango trees, there's papaya trees, there's coffee trees, and, and uh, the coffee needs to be hand picked. Got it. Okay. So I know we talked about antioxidants in general in relation to coffee, and we know coffee is a good source. I'd love to go deeper on just the health aspects of antioxidants in general and what we know from the literature about how antioxidants benefit the body, because I know this is a topic everybody is familiar with that word antioxidant, but to really understand, because there's so much research on this and understanding all the ways in the body that antioxidants are beneficial, especially for a lot of these problems that we're seeing really drastically on the rise right now. And I know one of the areas of research I'm really fascinated with right now is liver health, because the liver is so connected to so many parts of the body. So from your research, what are you seeing when it comes to antioxidants and the liver? Yeah. So I'm not a doctor, so I can't talk specifically about um, the, the mechanistic, mechanistic explanations of how it works on the body. But what I can say is that, that we've worked with some of the, the best coffee scientists in the world and doctors who've given us some really good directions on, on the compounds that we should care about. So the antioxidants, the, the, one, of the, uh, uh, one of our big guys in this has been Dr. Sanjeev Chopra. And Dr. Sanjeev Chopra was the last dean of admissions at Harvard Med School. Um, and he's also a liver surgeon. And he says that in uh, 35 years as a liver surgeon, he's never seen anybody with end-stage liver disease that drinks three to five cups of coffee a day, which when I heard that was staggering. So he's a big prop proponent of coffee and health. And he's been lecturing in front of thousands of doctors really for, for longer than anybody talking about the health benefits of coffee. And um, the reason he's passionate about what we're doing as a group is that is the fact that he feels like um, coffee is one of the best things that you can do to prevent liver damage. So, I mean, the, the example he uses is, look, you know, if you're going to be drinking alcohol, you need to be drinking coffee. 
That doesn't mean there's going to be a lot of problems with alcohol consumption, but it's not going to affect the liver in the same way. And uh, and that I found staggering. And that's a, that's that's one actionable piece of information I think that uh, that people should be aware of. The other one is the prevention of type 2 diabetes. Uh, very large studies, um, uh, one which is the nurses study, 1,109,000 people tracked over 25 years, um, shows that if you drink three to five cups of coffee, for every cup of coffee from the baseline that you drink, you have an 8% lower chance of ever developing type 2 diabetes. With And so, you know, if you think of this as a uh, the, as a sort of global problem that we're dealing with, there's, there's 25 million Americans who are diabetic at last count um, right now, but there's 81 million Americans that are pre-diabetic. And if they're not aware that coffee consumption is one thing that they should be doing to reduce their risk, you know, that's a, that's a huge opportunity, I think, to, to, to help people in overall health. No kidding. And of all the things we know we should be doing for health, like exercise and like eating a really clean diet, drinking good coffee is one of those not difficult and relatively enjoyable things, especially for those of us who like coffee and to have, um, you know, the, that potential for really supporting the body in that way, I think is really astounding and, and also takes off some of that guilt because there have been articles I've seen over the years, even in some big online publications saying, you know, coffee might not be as good as we thought. And I think the research is definitely supporting its benefits now. But for anyone who still has some reservation about, should I be drinking this much coffee? It's pretty incredible to hear that there are studies like that, that really do support regular consumption of coffee. Again, of course, in line with everything we've talked about, making sure it's a high quality coffee, which is just like you'd want to do in food. There's a huge difference between, you know, refined sugar and fruit or between a refined grain or find anything and a really high quality farm grown version. So I think that same applies to coffee. And I love that you are making that so transparent and easy for consumers to understand. Yeah, I mean, it's so true of any food, as you know, it's just, you know, it's, it's difficult to say uh, a definitive answer. Is fish good for you? Is meat good for you? Is, you know, it really depends. I mean, is the, is, was it was the salmon farm raised or was it, uh, you know, uh, was it wild caught? Or, I mean, you know, you know, now we have to learn to get a get into a little bit more detail with our food. Um, and I don't think we can make, you know, as you know, blanket statements about it. And I think the same is true of coffee. You made a very good point. I mean, this is something that, that, that most Americans do every single day. So if you can just make a small adjustment uh, and get better quality coffee, then you're going to do yourself a, a real service. And it's a relatively easy thing to do. It's not, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not inaccessible. We're not telling people to, uh, you know, to eat more kale and it has to be of a certain variety. It's just something you're likely to be doing every day. And you can, you can, uh, you can affect the health quality of that coffee just by selecting a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah. Going back to that easy change that doesn't take a lot of uh, effort or, or time or really anything other than just changing out the beans that you're making coffee with. This podcast is sponsored by The Ready State. If you're at all like me, you might have perpetual stiffness and pain in your neck and shoulders from years of working, carrying kids, and all of the demands of parenting. Or maybe like me as well, also, you have sore hips from too much sitting or from several pregnancies. I have found a great way to relieve my aches and pains and to get some daily movement and improve my fitness and flexibility. And it's from someone I highly, highly respect, Dr. Kelly Starrett, and he's from The Ready State. If you don't know Kelly, you should. He is a mobility and movement coach for Olympic gold medalists, world champions, and pro athletes. He's the author of two New York Times bestselling books, 
including the famous Becoming a Supple Leopard, which has sold over half a million copies. He has over 150,000 hours of hands-on experience training athletes at the highest level, and he's a doctor of physical therapy who helps top companies, military organizations, and universities improve their wellness and resilience with their team members. So to say he's highly qualified would be the understatement of the century. He created a program called Virtual Mobility Coach. This program is easy to do from home every day, making it ideal for me and for a lot of moms, and it's something I can do with my kids. Every day, Virtual Mobility Coach gives you a fresh guided exercise video. They show you proven techniques to help your specific issues that you have going on. If you're in pain, you can pull up a picture of the human body, click on what hurts, and from there, the Virtual Mobility Coach will give you a customized prescription to help you find relief based on movement. Second, you can find a library of soothing recovery routines in the daily maintenance section. And these are great for just working in movement throughout the day or as a wind down to practice self-care. And third, for athletes, Virtual Mobility Coach has an entire section of pre and post exercise routines for more than four dozen sports and activities that help you warm up before a workout so that there's a lower risk of injury or recover after so that you are less stiff. Right now, you can try Virtual Mobility Coach totally risk-free for two weeks without paying a penny. After that, you can save 50% on your first three months. Just go to thereadystate.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, all one word, all uppercase at checkout. So again, that's the T-H-E, ready, R-E-A-D-Y, state, S-T-A-T-E dot com forward slash wellnessmama. And you can save half off your first three months when you sign up for a monthly plan. You'll get personalized techniques to relieve nagging pain and to improve your fitness and flexibility. So again, check it out, thereadystate.com forward slash wellnessmama and sign up with the code wellnessmama. This podcast is brought to you by Radiant Life Catalog. Radiant Life is a woman-owned, family-run, online health and wellness company that specializes in food-based supplements, nutrient-dense foods, eco-friendly housewares, water filtration, and purification. After spending over 20 years in the health industry, Radiant Life realized that one of the overlooked components of well-being is often access to clean, healthy, and hydrating water. Now they have a range of water filters that fix this and they are great for it. They have one for every type of house and every budget from countertop units to under the counter units and even the whole house filter that we have at our house. Their systems are crafted with a focus on health and wellness. So they improve the taste and the smell of water, but more importantly, they remove a wide range of potentially harmful contaminants. They also have an in-house water expert available all the time to guide you through their system selection process and answer any questions via phone or email. Their systems are also designed and built in the USA and really high quality. So you can learn more and see all the options and connect with the water expert if you need to by going to radiantlife.com forward slash wellness mama. So radiantlife.com forward slash wellness mama. And I locked in a special discount just for you guys. They almost never give discounts, but you can um, save $200 on a whole house or a 14 stage water system by using the code WM podcast. So again, check out radiantlife.com forward slash wellness mama and use the code WM podcast to save $200. As someone who's so involved in this world, and I would guess has also tried many types of coffee and has developed ways for making it exceptional. I'd love to hear what your routine is for making coffee each morning, because there are so many different methods and there's so much debate on the best way, both for taste and for getting all of those beneficial properties into the finished coffee. So what does your routine look like for making coffee? 
Yeah, and it really depends on time of day. I mean, so um, I'll do a pour over in the morning, and my you know my wife will, and I will have what we call our purity huddle, which is you know twenty minutes, thirty minutes, just talking about the day. And um, and a pour over is you know a relatively simple, easy way to make the coffee, and it extracts most of the positive compounds. Um, then later on the day, I tend to move to espresso, which is. Uh, which is again another good way of uh, making the coffee, and uh, you know I just prefer black coffee. I mean, if you have really good quality coffee, you don't need to uh, um, add milk and sugar, which you know there are really no no benefits to doing that anyway. So if you're drinking really, you know really good quality coffee, there's no reason to add any of those things. I agree. I have become. Um... Well, I will say I would only have become a coffee snob. I already was, but I have developed really um, strong systems for how I make coffee. And I'm a big fan of the pour over as well. And we use a glass Chemex and I um, grind my coffee fresh. I know that's something else you talk about quite a bit is um, waiting to grind the coffee until right before you make it. Is there a benefit there besides just the taste? There is. It's all about oxidation. So the problem is that um, as as coffee oxidizes, so if it's in its full bean, it'll take about 15 to 20 days to start to, to, to stale. And then you'll lose a lot of the antioxidants in the coffee as it stales. And, you know, the, the oils that you see on some coffee that you think, oh, well, this coffee looks beautiful. The reality is that that's the oils that are coming from the coffee is as they turn rancid. So, you know, most people, a lot of people are drinking coffee that's, that, that's stale. The trick is, or the problem is, that when you grind coffee, then you've created much more of a surface area. And coffee is more like a, um, an avocado or an apple, where if you cut it in half, you can actually visually see that it's staling very quickly. Uh, but you can't see that in coffee, but it is. It's, it's staling very quickly. So when you grind your coffee, then you're, if you, if you, you know, use it in the next half an hour or so, you're, you're, you're fine. But if you leave it to sit in a, in a container till the next day or, you know, or grind the whole bag of coffee, then your first cup of coffee is going to be great. Your first pot of coffee is going to be great. And everything after that is going to be stale. And so the reason why that's important is we make every decision based on health. So we just go through these tremendous lengths to find the very best quality coffee, the highest in antioxidants. We roast it to maintain the antioxidants. We give it to you nitrogen flushed so it's fresh until you open the bag. All of these these things to make sure you're getting the highest quality coffee. But if you then take that bag and then grind it all, grind it and then use it over the period of a week or whatever, you're drinking stale coffee and a lot of the benefits that we worked hard to, to give you are lost for that reason. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. And you said that we don't need to add sugar or cream or anything to coffee, which I am full in agreement with, especially there is such a difference, I feel like, with your coffee that's so, um, it doesn't have that acidic or bitter taste at all. So to me, it feels like there's almost a natural sweetness to it. But there's also this trend right now of adding literally everything imaginable to coffee in different ways. And I see people adding crazy amounts of fat or you know, blending up a banana and coffee or like all these different things. Are there any things that are synergistic that work well with coffee or with the antioxidants that can make it more beneficial? Or is that really just based on taste? I mean, so we've been approached by a number of different companies uh, talking to us about different things to add into our coffee. And we decided early on that we wanted to focus just on making the very best quality coffee we could for health and let people add those things in that they feel uh, are likely to have an impact. So we've intentionally stayed removed from that from that conversation. There's things that I do personally. I mean, personally, I I, I have MCT and butter in 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 a coffee in the morning. I actually like the way my body reacts to that. 
but it's just not something that we're sort of promoting because we're, what we're trying to do is get people to focus on the fact that coffee by itself is incredibly good for you. You don't need to add supplements to it. You don't need to add anything to the coffee to make it an incredibly good food for your body. And so that's really what we want to focus on. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. So it's more of like, listen to your own body, see what works best for you, experiment. And I think really at the end of the day, that seems to be what so much of health goes back to. And that's been one of my lessons over this past year is at the end of the day, there's a a million and one things we can all do in the name of health and a million and one things we can do that are not healthy. It's finding those things that are the most beneficial for each of us and finding our own routines. And and on that note, I always love to ask, are there any things that are also just really part of your health routine, maybe not related to coffee, but just that you find to be big needle movers in your own life? I mean, a huge one for me is is meditation. Um, uh, you know, I honestly think that's probably one of the the number one things I introduce later on in life that that makes a huge difference. Um, so I really can't. I do TM meditation, but it's um, uh, honestly, I think that's probably one of the highest leverage points in my sort of uh, my sort of lifestyle habits that have had the biggest impact. So I mean, you know, lots of lots of other things, but I think you know, meditation and pausing a little bit, and 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 not uh, and getting off the hamster wheel to sort of uh, take stock of your life and the direction you want to go in. I mean, it's just it's a uh, you know a very impactful thing. I absolutely agree. I know that you are um, a busy business owner as well. Or do you have any tips for traveling with coffee? Because that's always one of my pain points is at home, I have this perfect coffee routine and the coffee is amazing. And then if I drink coffee anywhere else anymore, I'm like, it's not as good. So how do you travel with high quality coffee? This is a problem I just fixed. It's a problem that I had myself personally, and that you know I had exactly the same frustration that you uh, that uh, that you've had, which is that it's very difficult to find really good quality coffee when you're out and about. Even even you know fantastic hotels typically they underperform when it comes to the coffee you're drinking. So what we've done is um, we've put purity coffee in a single serve sachet like a tea bag it's in a small bag it's nitrogen flushed and you treat it like a pour over like a tea bag you just literally put it in the bottom of the cup and then pour hot water over it let it sit for four minutes and you've got a uh, a great pour over so we've uh, that, that that's our solution to uh, to the problem we'll have to send you some yeah, I would love to try. And um, I'll, of course, put links. I know we've mentioned several of your products and some other ways to, to brew coffee. I'll make sure all those links are in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. So I know many of you guys listen while exercising or driving. Um, don't worry about writing this down while you're doing those things. Just check out the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. Andrew, a couple unrelated questions I love to ask toward the end of episodes. Are there any books that have been really influential in your life? And if so, what are they and why? Wow, there's so many. I love to read. I mean, it, it just, it just, oh, I'm trying to think about the ones, how to narrow it down. I mean, I love Tony Robbins. I think he's, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's an incredible speaker. He's doing something that, that very few people know how to do at a, just a, a very high level. So Unleash the Power Within is one of his first books. That was formative for me because that set me on the road to personal development. And I think uh, that's an incredible book to read. I think there's, um, let me think. I mean, in terms of business books, I think um, probably the cultural book that I think is uh, was most impactful for me is Bury My Heart at Conference Room B, um, which talks about just, you know, the importance of culture and how we get it wrong. 
Um, and I think, you know, that's a starting point, I think, for most companies. I think if you if you get your culture wrong, you know, it's very difficult to dig out of that hole. And so that, to me, was very impactful. God, there's just so many. I mean, really, I, I just yeah, if you pick a, if you pick a, tub, a, a subject, I'd drill down more. But I, I would say they're, they're the first, first two, top two, come to mind. Got it. And then any advice can be related to coffee or not coffee that you want to leave with the listeners today? Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll stick to my subject of uh, of coffee. I mean, the biggest uh, the biggest advice I can I can give in that subject is that this is a this is a high leverage point, which is easy to um, for, for you to make an adjustment in. Um, I think it's worthwhile. I think it's worthwhile at, at, um, at various levels. I think that as people start buying coffee based on health. As they start, you know, making health the criteria for why they buy coffee, it's going to have a knock-on effect for the coffee producers. What's happening right now in 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 farms is that coffee is treated like a commodity, and it's treated like a commodity, meaning that it's 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 handled roughly. Uh, money isn't given to to people who are doing an exceptional job. Artisan farmers uh, are being marginalized for big industrial farming. And then the people who are doing a really fantastic job and the small farms, the, you know, this bird-friendly, hand-picked, hand-selected, regenerative agriculture, people who are, who are making coffee close to nature, as consumers start buying coffee based on health, they're going to gravitate to those sort of high-quality products. And that's going to impact the farmers much more than writing a check or doing something on a local level, which is all great and, and should be done, but, but, or, or paying a surcharge on the coffee that you buy. That really doesn't move the needle as much as, as what will happen when consumers start voting with their wallet and buying coffee of a higher quality, and that's going to translate to higher quality coffee for their health. But it'll also translate to making sure that we're 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 growing this important crop in a sustainable way um, with regenerative agriculture that'll be good for the local farmers that produce it. So I'd say, you know, I, I think it's an important it's an important initiative. I think people should should take a look at the coffee they drink and uh, and and pay attention to it. Great advice. And I will make sure, I know we've talked specifically about Purity Coffee. I will make sure that there is a link to that in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. And I believe we have a special offer just for you guys who are listening and you can find that in the show notes as well. Um, But other than the website, and I'll make sure that the link is there, is there anywhere else they can find you online to stay in touch and keep learning? Uh, website's number one source. Um, you know, we're on all sorts of social media and LinkedIn and Facebook and that sort of thing. But I would just say get direct to the website. And, you know, as we talked about early on, we try to be very, very transparent about this. So there's no secret source that we're hiding from people. We hope more coffee companies will will take up this uh, message of coffee and health. And so if you go to our site, you can read about our standards, our lab testing, what we test for, you know, what we look for in coffee, how do we find it, you know, and we want to be as transparent as, uh, as possible. So, um, and if there's something that you're looking for and you don't find it there, reach out to me. I'm easy to, uh, uh, easy to find on our site. Perfect. I will make sure all of that's in the show notes. And Andrew, thank you so much for your time and being here today and for all the transparency that you guys have in lab testing and in just being so above and beyond when it comes to coffee and for spreading the word. Absolutely. Well, thanks a lot for having me on the show. We really, really appreciate it. And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing one of your most valuable assets, your time with us today. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? 
Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.